Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Right, so, um, so today is the last day of our series called In the River. And it's been a blessing in so many senses that it opens my heart to things that, Lord, what hinders your power to move more in my life? Now, we've been doing this series, and the core scripture of our series was this. It was John 7, verse 37 to 39, which says, and it speaks about Jesus in a festival. And now, just to remind you, in a festival, it's a loud affair. People are shouting, and it's vendors all over. And, and picture for yourself Jesus walking in the midst of this festival, stopping and then shouting to the people. So he said, on the last day of the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, if we at a festival, you get thirsty. It's hot. And Jesus said, come to me. I've got a drink for you. And then he says, whoever believes in me, as scriptures have says, or said, rivers of living water will flow from within me or within them. It's a powerful scripture. Now, if you look at this, Jesus actually was speaking about the Holy Spirit that is within us and starts to move as a river as we encounter the Spirit of God, as the Holy Spirit starts moving through our lives and, and operating through us. But see, we started with the series with a question. And the question was that how many of us feel dry in sometimes in your life with God? You just feel dry. I just feel I've got these moments that you know, I feel far from God. I don't know, Lord, where are you? I, I've been praying and I've been this and I've, I've been reading my Bible, I've been doing this, I'm going to church, but I still feel dry in my life. And I don't know why. And that's why we, and, and with the first sermon, we dived into that question. You remember? And we spoke about this thing that often happened with us. Some less, some more. But the reason for this dry feeling in our lives is because this river has been blocked. Now maybe you could ask me, say, but what river? What, what river are you talking about? So the, river, the river that Jesus spoke about, river of living water that flows out of us. But if you go to Revelation... John had a heavenly vision and he saw this river from the God's throne. And, and I just want to look at it very quickly. It says, John was in heaven and he was seeing this heavenly vision and he saw this. And he says, then the angels showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. What a powerful scripture. You see, we spoke about a river that flows from the throne of God where life comes from. But then the river doesn't just flow from there. It flows through the Lamb. And we know what the Lamb is. The Lamb is Jesus on the cross. So he flowed, the, the river flows from God through the Lamb into our lives and through our lives. And when it flows through Jesus, it means that it becomes a river of mercy and life. Because when Jesus hung on that cross, he had mercy on us. And that river of mercy is being released See, we spoke about that. And the, but the one thing that, that can block the flow of this river, that one thing that we spoke about is judgment and unforgiveness. That's the one thing. That's one of the biggest blocks that, that block this river from us operating as God's sons and daughters. 
Now we looked at the previous sermon, um, we looked at the door to judgment and unforgiveness in our lives. In sermon 2, we looked at there was one thing that caused us to come to a place of judgment and unforgiveness, and, it is, and that is disappointment. How many of us have been disappointed in your life before? All of us. On a weekly basis, we're disappointed in people around us. Sometimes it's your friend, families, your husband, your wives, your boss that you really, I mean, you looked up to him and suddenly he just disappointed you. And then you come to a place where suddenly you are disappointed and hurt. Why, how could you do that to me? And when you get disappointed, it opens the door to judgment and unforgiveness, depending on what happens in your heart. Now, I'm not saying you're not allowed to be, to be disappointed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what happens in our hearts when we are disappointed. See, as soon as you start to entertain this disappointment in your heart, it opens a door to the cycle of destruction. You remember the, my, my picture two weeks ago? The cycle of destruction. Now, let me quickly show you the cycle again. I just want to recap this. Now, this is what happens. You see, disappointment and hurt makes, makes us feel rejected and betrayed. So you get disappointed and hurt. All of us does. And suddenly, because of that, you, there's rejection, there's betrayal in your life. You feel, oh man, I can't believe this people has done it to me. And suddenly, the disappointment and hurt becomes shame. And you get to a place of shame in your life, and this shame leads to a place of deep feeling of unworthiness, of you're unvalued. And if you keep on running with this, you become, it, it becomes a wounded heart. My heart becomes so wooden in my life that I can't believe you, you, you disappointed me. Now I feel rejected. I feel betrayed. And my heart feels wounded. And, it's, and immediately when you get there, it leads to emotional pain. Now you're in emotional pain. And, and, and emotional pain, the, the reaction is usually anger. It's withdrawal. I can do it myself. I'm going to sit in my room and lock myself away from the whole world. I'll heal my, I'll, I'll sort it out. And the longer you entertain that thing, it, become, it can become depression. And then, if you're in that place of pain, we start to judge and to blame. And then as soon as you start to judge and to blame, it goes over to hurt and disappointment again. You're just more open to disappointment and hurt. And it becomes the cycle of destruction in your life. And all of these leads to one thing. It leads to a division and a separation from God and others. We need others in our lives. We need God. But when you step into the cycle of destruction, I mean, it is just an ongoing cycle till you step out of that thing intentionally. So how do we prevent stepping into the trap of the enemy? It's a good question. How do we prevent this from, from, from this moment of disappointment and pain in our lives? How do we prevent playing the enemy's game? And the one word is mercy. Mercy. It's a river of mercy that runs from the throne, through Jesus, into our lives. But not just into our lives, through our lives. Through our lives. And, and that's what I want to speak to, to you about today. In the first sermon, we said that this river runs from God's throne, and it's a river of mercy, very important. But just like Jesus had mercy on the people around Him and the cross, Remember, he was hanging on a cross. People were shouting at him, spitting at him, cursing him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Isn't that powerful? 
And with that mercy in Jesus' heart, he said, let the river flow through me into your life. This is something so powerful. Listen to Romans 9, verse 15. I want to explain to you quickly what kind of mercy is Jesus speaking about. What is mercy? Look at the scripture. We spoke about it two weeks ago, quickly at the end. And it says, For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But, and, and I don't want to go into that, that, that scripture because it, it's got a, a whole different context. But if you look at the word mercy, and a, a lot of the times when Jesus used the word mercy in scriptures, it was from a different context. And if you look at his context in the Hebrew or in the Greek, um, it, it actually means something else. It means the word eleo. And eleo means, in Greek, means it is not a passive, passive emotion. It is not. We think, okay, I'll have mercy on you, I'll do nothing. I'll just sit here, but I'll have mercy on you. And this is not what Jesus actually spoke about. If you translate this word mercy straight back into English, it, it means the following. It is an active desire to remove the cause of stress. It is an active desire. I've got an active desire to remove the offense that I have with you. To remove this thing that we have between us that causes disappointment, hurt, pain, wounded heart. That, that get me to the place where I start blaming and judging you. And this is what mercy means. It is action. It is not passive. I'm going to do something according to this. And then when I start doing something intentionally, God starts healing in way different ways than you think. And, and, and today we're speaking about the power of forgiveness. Last two weeks ago was the power of forgiveness part one. And I want to finish with that this morning about the power of forgiveness, the true power of what mercy do in our lives. See, God says that we should so show mercy and forgiveness even when people deserve to be judged. And if we decide to show mercy rather than letting disappointment and hurt impact our hearts, something amazing happens. Amazing happens. And it's called the cycle of blessing. The divine flow. I want to show you that this morning. But firstly, I need to share the scripture with you. And this is where the divine flow, cycle of blessing comes from. Listen to this. It says, But God is so rich in mercy and He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now there's a divine flow. And, and everything starts with a decision when you are disappointed. If we're disappointed, we have a decision. We either judge or we show mercy. So this is where the cycle of blessing starts. There's love. And the love comes from God that God has for all of us. He loves us so much. He loves you. He loves me because of His love that He sent Jesus. But His love releases mercy. And his, when His love releases mercy... Grace comes into effect. So it's love, then mercy. It flows to grace. And because there is grace, the power of grace brings redemption, salvation. And because of that, 
It makes us alive in Christ. There's unity. There's unity in life. See, it raises up us up with Christ and it brings unity in that relationship. And then, it, and then we are restored, we set free, we are blessed. And guess what? Then we inherit life. So it's a divine flow of things. Isn't that awesome? You see, everything starts with love. It's a decision to start love. And as soon as you make a decision to love, it's got a ripple effect, which I'm going to show you later on. See, the principle applies for all of us. And it applies in every relationship around us and in our lives. That's the principle. You see, doesn't it seem better to be part of a divine flow than to be stuck in a cycle of destruction? See, it only takes one decision to show mercy. One decision. And that one decision to show mercy is important before the enemy starts showing you the disappointment. Because he loves to do that. He loves to put his finger on things like, oh, I can't believe you're not disappointed in that. I can't believe you're not. Man, how can you let people do that to you? Before you get there, trust God to go into the cycle of blessing. When we experience disappointment or hurt and pain, we don't get in the cycle of destruction, but instead we need to step into the flow of God. So let me show you the cycle of blessing. So, so this is how it looks like. See, we tap into it by letting God's love flow through us. Now, I'm not talking about, Henny, you don't know what that people did to me. You don't know how much I was hurt. You don't know my, how my tough and how sore that moment was in my life. But I'm not saying you need to use your, unlimit, your limited love. God's love is unlimited. God's love crossed every boundary in life. And when I'm in a moment when I'm really disappointed and really hurt, I said, Father, I need your love in this moment. And as soon as you embrace his love, man, mercy is released. And when mercy is released, it enables grace. And as soon as you have mercy and, and grace to flow through us towards that person, guess what happens? There's a redemptive moment. There's redemption. There's salvation. Suddenly, you are redeemed from this offensive moment. This person who has, has offended you or hurt you 10 years ago, suddenly now you start f uh, speaking mercy because of God's love. Suddenly grace comes into effect. We need grace. I don't know about you. But as soon as we have mercy and grace, there's a redemption and a salvation moment in that moment. We need that salvation in our relationship. We need that redemption in our relationship. And the result is honor. Isn't that amazing? The result is honor. We start honoring each other. I start honoring my friend who really hurt me. Why? Because honor is the foundation of love. Did you know that? See, when we honor each other, it shows that you have a foundation of God's love in your life. Honoring people. And if we let the cycle the cycle of blessing, this divine flow of God takes effect in our lives because we need to let this thing take effect in our lives. We need it. Guess what? It restores unity. It restores unity with God and with others. When I make a choice to have mercy, when I make a choice to show mercy because of God's love, that grace comes into effect, there is a redemptive moment in that relationship, in that moment, Man, suddenly honor comes back. And then love 
And it's a cycle of honor and love and blessing and grace and mercy. And we need to be in the cycle. I'd rather be in this cycle than in the cycle of destruction. I don't know about you. Because I've been in the cycle of destruction in my life. And it is not fun. It locks up. It blocks the flow of God's, of God's Spirit through my life. And I don't want that. See, that's how we break the curse of judgment and pain and shame in our lives. Listen to this scripture. We all know it so well. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And no, so many of us, we quote this scripture, and it's so amazing, and then we stop at that first scripture. Listen, hey, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then we stop and we realize that you haven't read the whole thing. It says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. As soon as you step into the spirit of life, the, the, the cycle of life, it cancels out the cycle of destruction. See, we have been set free from condemnation. But we, I mean, this is for me is quite a revelation. If I'm set free from condemnation, then it gives me no right to condemn others. And if we are in a place where I start condemning others, there needs to be an antenna in my life that says, Henny, you're in this wrong cycle. You have chose destruction rather than blessing and a flow of blessing in, in, in your life. See, it's time for us to choose to activate. And sometimes you need to activate things in your life. I need to activate the flow of mercy in my life. We need to. On a daily basis, we need to activate mercy in our lives. Because why? Because people offend us. We get disappointed. We get offended. People hurt you a lot. How do you handle it? What, happen, what happens with your heart as you do this? So I read the story of a pastor, and, and I'm going to make it a short story. A pastor and his wife planted a church in the midst of apartheid. And it wasn't a normal church, it was a multicultural church. And, and I'm not going to say more about that, because you know that there was a lot of tension in that day about, because of multicultural um, and cultures around us. So they planted this church, and for years, they have stepped through the suffering, pain, shame, and a lot of rejection in their lives. And they had about 150 people in their church, and they've struggled through a lot of stuff. But then these pastors grab, suddenly grab hold of the testimony of God's love, His mercy towards His other people. And you know what, did they, what they did? They started speaking mercy over people around them. They started confessing, Lord, when they walked into church or when they walked into the mall or wherever, they started proclaiming mercy over the people around them. The first Sunday since they've done that, 30 people got saved in that little church. This is a long time ago. 30 people got saved, and in the first five years after that, their church grew from 150 people to over 10,000 people. Why? Because they started speaking mercy. They let the river of mercy flow rather than choosing disappointment and rather choosing to judge and to blame because they, man, they, they were rejected and shamed. They could have judged, but they chose the mercy side. Now, when we choose mercy, it doesn't just heal the situation we're dealing with. And this is what I want to show you out of this. It doesn't just heal this relationship that I'm dealing with. It has got a ripple effect. How many of you have seen if you drop a little stone in the middle of a pond? 
The effect of the stone, when it drops in a pond, it's got a splash, but then it's got a ripple, and it affects the whole pond, literally. And that's exactly what happens when we show mercy. See, it is the same with mercy. We release the mercy of the Spirit of God, then it multiplies to every circle of influence in our lives. Everything. When I started showing mercy in my life over certain guys and certain things, suddenly other people starts calling me that I had tough relationships with. And God started that ripple effect, had an influence effect on everything in our lives. And that's the power of mercy. That's the power of mercy. You see, the mercy that Jesus released on the cross is still rippling through a hurt and broken world. It is. It still continues to touch people today. That mercy that Jesus released on the cross is still healing broken hearts. That's the power of mercy. When Jesus said, mercy to you, Father, forgive them, they have no idea what they do. You see, we all want to see the miraculous. Am I right? We all do. I don't know about you. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see the power of God in church, outside of church, through my life, through my friend's life. I want to see, in, I see more miracles in my life. When I pray, I want to see God move. All of us do. But we need to understand that judgment and unforgiveness could be one of the greatest hindrances to God's power in our lives. It is. It absolutely is. And to move mountains in a miraculous, we need faith. You remember that? You remember that scripture? Last week, in the second sermon, I used an illustration that Jesus said, and he spoke about this, and he said the following, and I want to just go back to that very quickly. He says, Jesus stood with his disciples, and he said, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. And, and listen to the disciples' response. They said, they said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. From all the things that the disciples could have asked to increase their faith, they could have asked, Lord, give me more faith to raise the dead, to multiply food like you have done. No, no. They said, Lord, rather give me more faith so that I can forgive like you. You see, it takes faith to walk in forgiveness. It truly does. Because it's probably one of the toughest things we have to face in our lives is to walk in forgiveness when you are really hurt, when you have the, the right to judge. And the enemy knows it. He knows it. He knows the power that comes from mercy. So he wants to get us to a place where we judge and he wants to throw us into that cycle of destruction because he, if, he's, if he has got us pinned in there, he cancels the power of God and the miraculous in our lives. But listen to Mark 11, to Jesus. And we all know the scripture. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and, and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. So he says the power of faith can move a mountain into the sea. We all know that scripture. We know it. So he speaks about the power of faith in our lives. But have you ever read the next verse? Verse 25. He says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. But then two very important words. He says, So that. He says, So that. What? So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. 
very, very important scripture. You see, this, this, this scripture is very significant for us to understand today in this verse. Because Jesus used the scripture right after the scripture for power, for faith to move a mountain. You need faith to move a mountain, but remember, if you have a grudge, you are blocking the power and the miraculous. You need to remember that. Could it be because Jesus knew? He said that because he knew that judgment and unforgiveness is one of the greatest hindrances. It's one of the greatest things that keep us from more, from feeling dry in our lives. See, God wants us to walk in the supernatural on a daily basis. I don't know about you. We are called Christ-like. Greater works you will do than he has done. He has called us out to be sons of God. A son of God carried the same authority as, as God on this earth. But he says, be careful for the hindrances. Be careful for the blockage, things that will keep you from fully walking as a son of God. You see, that's why Satan do everything he can to keep us locked and bound up in judgment and unforgiveness. He wants to keep us there. He will remind you of what has been done to you so that you can go back to judgment and blame. And He wants us there. Why? Because if he's got you there, then God's supernatural power is prevented. It's been blocked in your life. Your prayers cannot be answered. That's even more scarier. Now remember, less than two months after Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Mercy was released. And when mercy was released, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. 3,000 people in one instant got saved, healed, and delivered. 3,000 people. How, how long ago have we seen 3,000 people together? Probably now that we can do some sports and stuff again. But, but that's a lot of people in one instant. In one instant, the mercy of God that was released on the cross and the mercy started flowing and the power was released and that's what we saw. See, when God's mercy is released through our lives, that's the powerful impact that it has around us. You see, the river of mercy was flowing. The river of mercy was released. Remember Psalm 23, it's not up there, but it says, um, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Remember that? Now he says here, he says that God promised, he promised, he says that when my mercy is released, blessing and goodness follows. Did you see that? He says goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And that's because when mercy flows, goodness and blessing flows. But we're looking for the goodness and the blessing. But we're not willing to show mercy. And Jesus comes and he says, remember the mercy. That was the foundation of the cross. I showed you mercy. I showed you grace. And because this thing was released, it brings the power of God. I hope you get this this, this morning. I want to close this morning with, with a story from Acts 6 and 7. And I'm just going to tell you the story and then I'm going to just show you two scriptures. But it's a story of the apostles. The disciples became the 12 apostles. And, and they sat one day and they said, listen, guys. We are busy waiting, tab waiting tables and caring for the people and distributing food and praying for everyone. They pastoring everyone, 12 of them. And they realized, they said, listen, we need to devote our time to preaching and teaching and praying. And so, so we're going to appoint seven men 
Seven men to, to, to do what we have done. But they say, listen, this seven men needs to be well respected and they need to be full of spirit, full of the spirit and of wisdom. That's what the scripture says. They were well respected, so they were leaders in the, in the, in the, in the community, but they were full of the spirit and they were full of wisdom. And one of them, his name was Stephen. Not our Stephen, Stephen in the Bible. Now, guess, listen to, to Stephen. And I, I mean, Stephen's probably one of my favorite guys in the Bible. Because they didn't say, hey, you come and you distribute food so that we can be holy. No, no. These guys who they picked were powerful in the Spirit. They were moving in the Spirit. They were full of wisdom. They were pastoring the church. And listen to Stephen. He says, if you go to Acts 6, verse 8 to 11. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles signs and signs among the people. That doesn't sound like a waiter. Eh? That sounds like a man who is on fire for God. Then he says, but one day some men from a synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit which Stephen, in, in which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen. So what did they do? They started spreading lies about Stephen. And they started judging him. They started accusing him. They started saying things about him. To it ended up to such a degree that they arrested Stephen. And they brought him and pulled him. They took him and placed him in front of the council, the high council, to interrogate him. Now, I don't know if you remember, but the last guy who was interrogated by the high council was Jesus, and he died. So this was not an easy place to say, now I'm, I'm in front of the high council. This is, this is almost uh, a death sentence if I don't say the right things here. This is exactly where he was. It's amazing what jealousy can do, isn't it? But Stephen spoke and he preached the word in, on fire. He was bold. And then everybody, I mean, this is incredible. Go and read Acts 6 and 7. But suddenly everybody stopped. Because Stephen, as he was speaking and preaching boldly, his face shined like an angel. The glory of God came over him. And the glory of God came over him so powerful that he saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus standing at the right side of God. Now this was amazing for me because if that can take Jesus out of his seat, because the scripture says he was seated at the right hand of God. Now suddenly Stephen said, I saw Jesus standing at the right side of God. That means that Jesus was out of his seat. He said, come on, look at my son. But now listen to what happened. I can just imagine, I mean, he was dragged outside. When he said that, they were, they were mad. They dragged him outside of the city and they started stoning him. Now just think of you. A stone hitting you on your head, in your stomach, in your back, all over your body. This was excruciating, a moment of excruciating pain. This was a death sentence. He was in this moment, and it was little rocks, it was big stones. This was a brutal execution. And in the middle of this intense pain, listen to what Stephen said. He said, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then... He fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. <laughs> Sounds like mercy to me. An intense moment of mercy. 
See, God's spirit was so heavy on him, so heavy that he saw the heavens open. His face shined like an angel. God's glory and presence was on him. And in a moment of excruciating pain, he just showed mercy. He said, Father, I love these people so much. They're judging me. They lied against me. They rejected me. They're shaming me. They, I, I'm, I'm paining physically. But I choose. I choose to not hold this against them. Now, I want you to remember that Stephen was human, just like us. That rocks were real. <laughs> And that was excruciating, painful moment. And he probably had the right to say, Father, judge these people. Make your lightning strike them. Because your servant is preaching here. No. He didn't. Stephen chose to get into that divine flow. Into that cycle of blessing that says, Father, show your mercy. May your mercy, may that river of mercy that's flowing from your cross, may it now flow through me. And now, in that moment, I'm releasing your mercy. I'm releasing your mercy over these people. Now, the most incredible thing about this, I want to show you the power of the ripple effect of mercy. When these people were stoning Stephen, the man who was holding the coats of this, the people who were killing him, his name was Saul, his name was Saul, and, and Saul, a few weeks after that, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, radically saving his life, becoming Paul, and then writing two-thirds of the New Testament, which have a ripple effect in our lives today. The mercy <laughs> that Stephen showed had such a ripple effect on the people around him that the man who would change the whole New Testament for every one of us, his life changed. Isn't that amazing? We cannot forsake the power of mercy and, uh, and forgiveness. We cannot forsake it. We cannot step by this thing and get stuck into the cycle of destruction because I, am, I have the right to be disappointed. Maybe you do. But if you want to have a ripple effect so that the mercy, the river of God's mercy will flow into you, but not just into you, through you. We need to make that decision in our lives to say, Lord, I'm stepping into this divine flow today. I'm stepping into this cycle of blessing that says, Father, <laughs> I don't know, this is not fun to go through, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let your love come into this picture. Your love is not limited like my love. I'm going to let your love come in, and as your love comes into my life, mercy is released, grace comes into effect, and suddenly there's redemption and honor that's restored. And as soon as honor is restored, there's more love. And when there's more love, there's more mercy and there's more grace, then you see the cycle. We need to step into that cycle. Even in our marriages, in our friendships, wherever we are at, when you are disappointed, you need to make an intentional decision to say, Father, I will not step into the trap of the enemy. I will share my disappointment and then I will pray together and say, Father, will you bring your love into this? Help me to show your mercy to people around me. I want to challenge you today to start speaking mercy over everything in your life, every situation. If you walk into the mall, say, Father, I just release your mercy here today. 
If you walk into your family's home where things are not 100, says, Lord, I just release your mercy over my family here today. When, when the enemy reminds you of that person or this who really hurt you, who's keeping things from you, just if, you, if he reminds you about those things, just say, Father, thank you for your mercy over them. That's what I do. Nowadays, when the enemy starts reminding me of things that happened to us or the things that we had to step through, I just say, Ah, oh, Father, thank you that you're reminding me to just show mercy again. <laughs> I think I, that just ticks the enemy off. I, I believe so. And we need to just show him that mercy is more powerful than disappointment and judgment. So I want to challenge us today as a church and as, as individuals to step into this flow and keep stepping into this flow. Don't let the enemy catch you with this thing in your life. Because it is worthwhile to see the ripple effect of this. When we start showing mercy in our marriages, guess where the ripple effect will go? To our children. And to their children. And to their friends. It's an intentional thing that we need to choose. Guess what happens when we show mercy in our company where we work or in our business in one or two relationships, it's got a ripple effect through to the outer skirts of your business and your company and what, wherever you work. In the school. So help your children to speak mercy over their friends so that it's got a ripple effect to the teachers. But that ripple effect is incredible. It brings us to a place to see the power of God in our lives so that we don't have a dry moment anymore. That when we pray, we see the presence and the power of God. We experience the fullness of Him. Amen. Can we pray together? Can you stand with me and I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning. You are so amazing, Father. We thank you, Lord, that, that you loved us so much, Lord, that that you gave us more than we ever could think or dream of. You gave us Jesus, and through Jesus, you released something on this earth that, that will free us and empower us for life. And Father, I pray that, that you will help us this, this, this morning, Father, to clean our hearts and to make us sensitive to your spirit whenever we step into moments of judgment and disappointment. I want to give the opportunity this morning that maybe through this series that God has maybe put his finger on a few things or shined his light on a few things in your life that it's like, wow, I, I didn't realize that I, I'm so quick to judge. And I'm slow to to show mercy and Holy Spirit will you shine your light on certain things in our lives this morning maybe this morning you can just while all our eyes are closed maybe just put your hand on your heart as a, as a sign of, of affection to our Father and just say Father I want to I want you to put your finger in your hand on, on this relationships in my life number one, two, three how many there is doesn't matter God knows exactly. I want you to pray this this morning. Say, Father, help me to release the mercy of Jesus when I'm reminded of the pain and the hurt and the rejection and the shame. 
Lord, help me to release that river through my life. To not hold it back, but to release that river. So that I will dive into that river, not stand on the banks of the river, but get in. Get into that river and let your mercy flow through me. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.